We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. This episode is brought to you by Art of Problem Solving, providing schools with the mathematics curriculum and courses to raise the level of instruction in grades 2 through 12. Stay tuned later in this episode to learn about Beast Academy, a full math curriculum for grades 2 through 5. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm so excited to have Jamie Hull on the program today. I met Jamie in an online course that we were both taking. And um, as soon as I met her, she was just so full of life and just excited to talk about anything and everything that I thought I've got to have her on the podcast just because she's so fun to talk to. And so that was just in the first, you know, 30 seconds of meeting her. And then I, after that, learned what she does. And I thought it's perfect for us in schools working with a different types of generations and being able to have these great conversations with them. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Jamie. She is fantastic. And Make sure you go to her website, jamieleehole.com slash principles, and you can download a little walkthrough of how to create a millennial-friendly workplace, which I think is going to be really valuable. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Hey, one more thing before we get into the interview with Jamie. Just wanted to uh, invite you to join the Mastermind. And I would love to chat with you about what that entails. It's been an amazing growth opportunity. And in fact, we had one person who recently got back into the mastermind because she left education for a bit, went back to education. And on her first day back, she said, I need this. How do I get back in? So it's definitely worth it. And I want you to uh, check it out. So go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind. And let's have a conversation about how we can help you be the best leader you can. 
Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have on the program today, Jamie Hull. Jamie, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk about mentoring today. Excellent. I love the idea of mentoring. Um, As those of you who listen to the podcast know, I host masterminds and love doing that and connecting with people and supporting them and seeing how they connect and support others. So uh, you're not just going to talk about any mentoring, however, and this is what I'm excited about and why I wanted to have you on, is that you are going to talk about mentoring millennials in particular and making our workplaces millennial friendly. So let's start by talking a little bit about what millennials are to make sure we're talking about the same thing and what defines them. So can you start with that part? Absolutely. Um, Millennials were born between the year 1980 and about 2000. So we rounded off about there. Millennials are very educated. They're one of the highest educated generations that we have, and they want to be uh, connected. Most importantly, they want to make a difference. They want to work somewhere where they are going to change the world, whether it's just one life at a time, but they want to change the world. They want to be a part of something that improves their surroundings, the people. And um, I know that everyone thinks they're very, uh, the media tells us they feel very entitled and all kinds of negative things. But I want to let your listener know that millennials are excited about life and want to make a difference. And they are very active in reaching out not only to their students or their staff that they're working with, but also they're very involved in their community and trying to make a difference. And so I am so passionate about this great group of people, the millennial generation. So why is it that they are so concerned about making an impact? That's something that is, I think everybody wants to make an impact in some regard, but Every time we talk about millennials, that's one of the things that we hear, that they don't just want a job, they want to make an impact. Why is that so important to millennials? They have followed either in the backseat of their car or sitting around the dinner table at home, and they have heard their parents and their parents before them talk about how incredibly bored they are at their work or how angry they are at work. But very few of them tell me that they have come from a group of generation from generation of parents and grandparents that really loved what they were doing. And they felt so bad for them because they were, you know, didn't realize it because a lot of us don't, that the younger people are watching us and our moves and our attitude and our approach to life. And they felt they were so miserable and they don't want to be that way. So they want to find something that makes a difference, that pours into life and and things that they enjoy to do. Of course, they need to make a living. They need to pay bills. But that is what they've done. They've watched the past generations who just did life and just went to work, but really maybe at home projected dissatisfaction and boredom. And so they don't want that in their life anymore. Hmm. Yeah, that that does make sense. And I wonder if, if they, so I have a couple of thoughts about that and I'm trying to articulate it. So give me just a second. Um, I, one of the things that I, that I've always been bothered by are, is that mentality of, you know, the, thank God it's Friday. I can't wait for the weekend. I've always thought that that was just a silly way to live your life. And that 
if you hated your work so much, then you should just change your job and do something different. Now, that might be a very millennial thing to say, since I do fit in that millennial group. But why is it that people didn't take more control and honestly still don't? And a lot of people still complain about how much they hate work and how much they hate school and how much they hate whatever it is they need to do to survive in this world. Why is it that people don't make those changes or haven't made those changes from an older generation? I really believe it is a fear factor. I think the fear of change and just being really not knowing, the fear of the unknown, what will happen if I change from this company? I've been with them for 30 years. What if I change and I don't like the next job and now I've got to build up? And so they decide they're stuck and they stay. With millennials, it's a little bit different. Well, it's really a big difference because they don't even have the choices like like the past, which is they don't have the choice of can they just stay in town and work in their local community. A lot of them, uh, more than 50% of them have to move. They have to find a new location. They have to do a change. They have to leave their family and just kind of buck up and make new friends, make a new community. And all of that in the past was just so much, so fearful that I really think the older generation um, just stuck it out and thought they were stuck and had to stay there. But this generation knows they can't survive. They're going to have to change things. I'll give you an example. They are completely consumed with trying to stay up on all the digital new things that are happening in the classroom everywhere. They're trying to stay up on what Google's doing and the new apps and the new things that their students will be facing because they have to be learning. They have to go or they'll lose their jobs. They know that. Um, And especially if you think about it, a lot of our millennials that are coming into the classroom, new teachers, well, their older generations are their principals or maybe the the senior teachers of the classroom. They don't have the digital know-how. They don't have feel experts in the digital world, but they know the millennials do. So we lean on them hard to have all the answers and be able to fix our app and fix our phone. Maybe when the computers break down, hey, let's just go get the millennial. And most of them, if not all of them, can really produce whatever you need them to do. But that's a lot of pressure on them because they are made to change and grow and learn. And so that is why the millennial generation is doing it, because they, they're forced into it by our own society. Yeah, you know, Jamie, that's it's funny you share that particular example, because as my first few years teaching, that was exactly how things happened. Everybody would come to me for you know, any technology problem that they had. And I I thought it was funny that everybody would when to me it was really, you know, it made sense how to how to just fix the problem and they just couldn't fathom it. But then it also burned me out of that pretty quick. And, you know, I was like when I moved to Alaska, then I I was so grateful that people weren't coming to me that they were going to somebody else to fix all the problems. And, you know, I kind of, I wasn't quiet about my technology skills, but I was, I was less eager to jump up and fix something when I moved up here. And, you know, I, I was, I was definitely done with that aspect of being tech support for anybody who had a problem. And so that 
when we go to them for that, I don't think that that necessarily makes it a millennial friendly workplace. So how should we deal with millennials and their technology skills? For example, how do we make them feel appreciated and not make them feel like we're just coming to them just because they happen to be young? Think of it like this. This is what I love to train people to do. Think of it as you give and you and you receive, right? So when you go to a millennial in your workplace, you want to build a relationship first. Don't be like they, they see you coming and know you're going to take something, take time, take um, knowledge, need this, need that. They are looking for a relationship. And when you come to them for a relationship first and build that, then they are great. They love to just, you know, pour into you and like a reverse mentoring where they train you how to do it so you can do it on your own. But new teachers, whether they're millennials or new to the, the classroom, they need to have help. They, they want to know, you know, they're really not sure. And none of us are when we first go into the classroom. Okay. We are not sure. Are we doing this correctly? Or is this acceptable to the staff, to the principal, what I'm doing? And as you know, we can't, you can't be your own evaluator and, and, but you don't want to wait until the evaluation comes. So that's where a mentor of someone further along in their years of teaching someone who's still growing and learning, someone who's willing to come alongside of them and have a relationship. Really, the millennials have a great desire to be known. So my suggestion is to make it a friendly workplace for the millennial is to care about the person first, not about what you can get from them, but who they are as a human being and just enjoy and encourage them. We've forgotten how to encourage our new teachers and we need to not say, oh, they're so titled, they're so baby, we have to pamper them. Absolutely not. Who doesn't need encouragement? Who doesn't need a cheerleader to say, hey, you look great today, have a good day. We need to change that whole mentality of instead of just getting, but we have to give a little bit. Yeah, I think that's really powerful advice. Beast Academy is a comprehensive math curriculum for grades two through five, designed by its creators as the math curriculum we wish we had when we were kids. It teaches kids how to think critically and understand the foundational concepts behind the math calculations they're performing. Beast Academy was created by the award-winning math experts and PhDs at Art of Problem Solving, along with art director Eric Owen, whose work includes illustrating for DC Comics. Engaging comic book style illustrations keep kids coming back for more, even as they grapple with some of the most rigorous math problems available anywhere. Visit beastacademy.com to try a demo and find out how to bring this high quality curriculum to your school. So building the relationship is important. It's funny because everybody that I talk to on this podcast brings that piece up and yet we still struggle with that so very much in education which is, you know, totally ironic to me, but building the relationship first, what else do we need to do to make a millennial friendly workplace? Make sure that they have that downtime. You know, everyone gets a little break somewhere, but we have over the years in the education system, we really don't give that break. We just keep 
you know, tacking on responsibilities and um, things that they have to do. We want to improve that. We want to make sure that they, they are longing for it. And if you don't know the millennial, then you really don't know how to reach them and to make it a friendly place. But their heart's desire, their deepest heart's desire is to have a balance in their life. They want to have a balance where it's work time and they work, but they have maybe a, a moment to breathe and to refresh and then go again for the afternoon. But they also need that balance of, okay, when I go home, I have to have family time. I have to pour into my family or I have to, you know, next, um, maybe they're ministering at their church or maybe they're doing something and they want a balance. And if you keep that in, in perspective when you're making schedules, and I know as you're listening to this, the listeners are saying, oh, there they go again, needing something special. I want to let you know, the older generation would say, oh, wouldn't that be fabulous? Because they need it too. They want it also. So this would make it, you would reach across the board, all generations. If we just took a little breather and the principals themselves would have a balanced life and be really making people know that that is important to your staff. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And and the older generation says that in a wouldn't that be nice as in wouldn't that be great if that's how it actually worked. But this is education and that's not what we do. And so one of the things that I've tried to do in my schools is give teachers and students time in the day to be able to do something that they're passionate about. And you know, people call it different things like genius time or genius hour or 20% time or in my school, we called it tutorials. We've called it synergy. We call it different things, but there's there's time in the day where you get to choose to do something that has meaning for you. And so, you know, one teacher who is certainly not a millennial, she loved doing uh, Native Alaskan beadwork, and she created beautiful things. And what was awesome was she got to pull in kids who were interested in that as well and teach them how to do it, which was totally fulfilling for her and just amazing for the teacher. But then passing on an Alaska Native uh, tradition to uh, the rising generation of middle school students was just really impactful in that she felt refreshed by being able to do that. The kids learned something new and they felt refreshed also. And, you know, what I'm getting is that the the accommodations that we may feel like we're making for millennials are really good for everybody. And it's worth the effort to make that to make that happen. Absolutely. And I really feel this way. The millennials are actually a gift to us because they're demanding us to get back to what we used to do. We used mm-hmm. to make sure people had a refreshing time so they could be a really present and solid teacher. But we've taken everything away. We've tacked on other things. We've made red tape and lots of paperwork and all those things that burden them down. And so millennials have, maybe they are standing up and saying, no more. This is not the way I want to do life. But they're doing, they're saying that. Now remember, like what I said is that they know because they're reflecting back on their parents who are both teachers, who are both fried, just absolutely fried. And they want to teach but they don't want to do it without some balance and respect of time. Yeah. And that, that balance of time, I think is so important and not just the idea that like they, they need to have balance, but that is certainly not the expectation in education. You know, a mark of a good teacher is that 
she gets there an hour and a half before school starts and stays there late into the evening. And as a school principal, I've been railing against that for a long time. I've got to share a quick story about this. I had a, I was in the building late one day and, um, and I saw a teacher and I talked to her and she said, you know, Jethro, you're never here at this time. And she, by saying that revealed that she was always there at that time. And also revealed that she noticed that I was not there that late all the time. And I said, wow, thank you for noticing. I love not being here this late every day. And she kind of gave this, well, you're a principal and you can leave because you don't have a lot of responsibilities or like that kind of an approach. And I said, no, I have stuff that I don't get done every single day. And and there's always more to do. And this job can take as many hours as you can possibly give it. And so and so can being a teacher. And so being able to, what I enjoyed about that interaction was I gave her permission to leave things undone because she needed to have balance in her life also. And, you know, that may or may not have worked. I like to hope and think that it did and that she did make some changes. But, you know, you just as the leader, they've got to set the tone and then as, and then talk about it and say, yeah, it's important to not be here two hours after the kids go home every single day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we have forgotten how to um, teach what is essential, you know, because we can make a priority list, as you said, just there, we could have oh my goodness, 10, 12 things that we want to get done that day. And we're never going to get it done. So we get very frustrated. So I encourage teachers to just find out what's the essential for that day and then, you know, build around that. But how great for you to let her know that she didn't have to stay, you know, and what you were doing just in that little moment, you were doing a mentoring moment where you were saying to her, thanks, which we need to say more of. And then you were encouraging her as well, you know, to not do everything on your list, that it's okay. It doesn't mean you didn't, that you have failed. Um, And that's what a great mentoring program can do. It will, it's where someone is pouring into them and being able to say, you know what, being stressed out and having a lot on your plate and not getting it done, guess what? That's normal. That's what we all go through. And and you'll be amazed. New teachers are like, this is normal? I had no idea. I thought I was totally failing. And that's why a mentoring program is so important to help them and just talk through anything they want to talk about to get, you know, through their day on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And and mentoring programs are something that has also been systematically chipped away at from our school budgets. And so What's your advice to a principal to to start a mentoring program or what are the essential components they need to have? Okay, well, this is a win-win because the older generation or those who are a little further down in their years of experience will be blessed and they will really see the benefits as well as your new teachers. Okay, it's a win-win for both, but you don't want to tack on any major paperwork not any more hours. What you have to do is be creative. Maybe um, you can say, you know, for the first semester of school, let's get together 30 minutes early or say 30 minutes late, or maybe, you know, arrange it that they can have their two lunch once a week 
for 30 minutes, but we're not saying spend an hour with them. We're not asking them to do a lot of paperwork. We're just saying the millennial, the new teacher needs a one-on-one connection with someone where you're looking face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and they get to say and do and talk about things that they really need to talk about. So that would mean that you would have two kinds of mentors. And this is what I suggest to the principals. You could either have someone on staff that's willing to pour into the next generation. And I will tell you some statistics on why we can do that. And then the second thing is you may have some, uh, you know, a pretty good group of retired teachers that would love to pour into the next generation, but never more than 30 minutes a week that they would just do 30 minutes a week for maybe six to 12 weeks. And then after that, go to two times a month. And, you know, you start weeding back, especially over the holidays and when things get crazy. But all we're asking is that that mentor is pouring into that new teacher, nothing, no paperwork. So what does that mean? Their words, their encouragement, that they're listening that they're sharing their stories so that the new teacher knows, oh my gosh, this happened to you too, and how to deal with it and how to move on. And so that makes it so much easier where we're not asking a lot from anybody on staff or in the teachers. um, And they look forward to a cup of coffee and just talking. Yeah, that's great. I think that is, that's wonderful advice. And I remember when I first became a teacher, there was mentor and mentee, literal paperwork that I had to fill out. And it was the worst. (laughs) It was so awful. And we never did it. And then we just scribbled something the day that our principal was asking for it. And it did not help me build a relationship. It didn't help me do anything meaningful in my class. Everything that that was actually helpful had nothing to do with that official mentor mentee paperwork. And I, I think that advice is, is just brilliant. And there's so much value in having just those conversations and talking and paperwork formalizes it and makes it feel like it is fake. Like you're, you're not really in it for what you are getting out of it. You're in it for, you know, the money or because you're required to or whatever. So I think that that is definitely great advice. Well, you know, the other thing, and and this brings up another point, I'm so glad you said this, is that millennials are so sick and tired of the older generation. And I'm in that older generation. So I'm, I'm in talking to myself here. They're tired of being on a checklist, you know, okay, had coffee with a millennial check, you know, okay, I went to this, uh, check, check. They don't want to be a checklist. Remember, keep going back. It's a relationship that they're looking for. And they don't really want you to fix them. And that's the mistake we have. They just want to get together and, and they want to be heard. And most importantly, they want to be known by name that you might know a struggle that they're having with their family or whatever that you can do. And so the paperwork and all of that, that's formal and it sounds very covered. It sounds very safe. And what I'm talking about is no paperwork. I'm just saying, go back to the old days of just talking and just being there as an encourager. Of course, I think the principal would make all the connections with the teacher or whoever hires and fires. And that would, the reason I say that is because you, whoever did the hiring, you know these people. So you know who you can put who with who. It's very simple. 
you hired them, so you know what this person and this person put together. Again, only telling the mentor, hey, listen, what I'd like you to do is just sit there and be present in that 30 minutes. And we have in school, if you're doing eight to three, you know, four and 20 minutes. So we're asking for 30 minutes during before, after school, or during a lunchtime where you can just pour into someone's heart and, and help them to be refreshed so that they're good in the classroom. Good meaning awake, alive, you know, and have passion because our students don't see that in our teachers anymore. They don't see the passion and we want them to be passionate about learning. And so we've got to go back to pouring into our teachers. Yeah. I, that's, that's so good. Have you seen the, uh, the short video called it's not about the nail with the woman who has a nail in her forehead? No, I'm not. I haven't. Oh my goodness. It's brilliant. I love it. So I will put a link to it in the show notes. If you're listening, you haven't seen it yet, but Jamie, it's fantastic and it's so good. And um, it really exemplifies that idea of it really is not about the nail in the forehead. They don't want the problem to be solved. They want to talk and process through it and and deal with it. And, you know, that is that's something that I've used many times in helping people understand how to have that relationship where they're actually supporting someone and not not uh, just like fixing all their problems. So the last question that I ask everybody, Jamie, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? Oh, great question. I'm going to say that this week, make a point to look maybe three teachers, just three every day, look them right in the eye and tell them, thanks. I'm so glad you're here and give them an encouraging, kind word. And by the end of the week, lives will be changed as we've forgotten to get back to looking people in the eyes and just smiling and giving an encouraging word. Well, Jamie, that was awesome. Thank you so much. How can people connect with you and get to know you? Absolutely. My website is jamieleehall.com and that is J-A-Y-M-E-L-E-E-H-U-L-L.com. And there we have blogs and all kinds of information. I also have a podcast and it's face-to-face mentoring podcast. I'd love for them to join us there, but I'm going to have a special offer on the website, which would be jamieleehall.com slash principles. And that will be a handout that's going along with all of the things we talked about today, which is how to make your workplace millennial free. And I know that you will have a, it'll be a real plus to have that in your um, files so you can get started. Yeah. So that's jamieleehall.com slash principles to get how to make your workplace millennial friendly. And so I'll have that link to this in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. So if you didn't have time to write that down or you're driving, you can just go to transformativeprinciple.org and you'll be able to get to all of Jamie's resources. Jamie, thank you so much again for being part of Transformative Principle. Oh, it's my pleasure. I loved every minute of it. Thank you to our sponsor, Art of Problem Solving. Did you know that the award-winning students at competitions like International Math Olympiad and Math Counts routinely prepare by taking courses from Art of Problem Solving? Learn more about how to bring this rigorous, deeply engaging math curriculum to your school or district by visiting artofproblemsolving.com. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? 
You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.